Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Cabin. And we hate movies. Welcome to We Hate Movies. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you're new to the program, welcome and thanks for checking out the show. You are joining us in the final week of what we've been calling Stay Tuned Month, a month in which we've been doing episodes we've kind of been promising throughout the show's history. Uh, we had China O'Brien last week, Deep Blue Sea the week before that. What was before that? Stay tuned. Stay, oh, stay tuned. Yeah, what a fucking moron I am. <laughs> uh, so this week, the final week, we are talking about the long-awaited copycat directed by John Emil. Yep. This is kind of the crown jewel of Stay Tuned. We've said Stay Tuned for Copycat quite a few times. Oh, yeah. This has kind of been like Boy Who Cried Wolf Syndrome. Like, I bet, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's quite possible that before you downloaded this episode, kind listener, if you have a history with the show, you saw the listing say Copycat and said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and thought about skipping it for a second. Well, I mean, we, we promised ourselves we'd do these episodes. I've prov- promised myself I do this episode <laughs> since I was what twelve. <laughs> I will have a podcast. I don't know what that since is. I saw this yes. in the theaters. I got to talk about this to somebody. <laughs> Some I was just like Some- somebody's got to hear it. Somebody's got to hear it. Someone's got to hear what I got to say about this. Someday I will have a global platform in where I can talk about this movie. Some somewhere just to talk about copycat or as I'm calling it Sigourney Weaver in not without my sweater. <laughs> She's pretty comfortable throughout this entire movie. I've had some creative writing professors. They all love these kinds of sweaters. This is a, this is a <laughs> yeah. very professorial garb. I'm just gonna drown my skinny body in a gigantic sweater. It's a, yeah, because it's a it's a grading paper sweater. Mm-hmm. It oh, really it, is. Yeah. You give her like a red pen and a cup of lukewarm coffee. <laughs> she's figured it out. A couple oranges, new black reruns. <laughs> she's ready a to go. Rainy day. <laughs> A note from her ex-husband. So this film, Copycat, uh, it's kind of like if any of you guys watched that show, The Following, on the Fox Network, that program with uh, uh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Because the basic premise is Harry Connick Jr. is a serial killer who's in jail, and he starts getting... A following of mm. people, They're like disciples. Yeah. Uh, but you know, unlike that show where it's like this whole crazy cult and whatnot, this is like a one at a time situation. <laughs> and uh, but here's the difference: is that James Purefoy is like a genius who knows everything about literature, and you know, is Harry Connick Jr. who plays the serial killer of interest in this movie, or at least the first one. Yeah. Is just a fucking hillbilly. Yeah, he's a real, real dumb, slow guy. It's weird because you don't really associate, like, hillbillies with serial killers. It's all, like, desperate, weird, uncharismatic loners. No offense, you know, the Midwest, (laughs) a lot of those folks, a lot of quiet towns. All the ones we didn't catch, we're sorry that we just, you know... (laughs) Some dude's cutting a head off a baby in his basement listening to this like, Hey, you'll get me someday, Clarice Starling. (laughs) I love that joke. Said it to myself 300 times today. Because <laughs> that's kind of the other side of this movie is Holly Hunter's character is like a D-team Clarice Starling. 100%. Uh-huh. And I mean, well, well, it also works with 
what's-his-face with Harry Connick Jr. because he's kind of a Hannibal Lecter writing all these letters to all these people, corresponding with people, complimenting them on their serial killing. <laughs> you're he's, okay. he's also looked, you know, he's, they, they seek him out for help in assisting with this. Well, he's the mash licker to the Dom <laughs> Perignon that is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Da, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter was, you know, aged in a French basement in a gorgeous 500-year-old The Chianti. Barrel. He's the Chianti. Harry Connick Jr. was distilled in a shed somewhere. From potatoes. <laughs> and, you know, just to give you an idea of, you know, the, the quality drop-off, and I, I'm going to have to use, do this visually, so I'm going to have to explain it to you. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, and my hand's really high right now. That's pretty high for a wow. dude your height, too. Yeah. And then I go all the way down. Touching floor. For Harry Connick Jr. in the <laughs> acting category. That's the, the, I hope that everyone could follow along what I was saying there is that Anthony Hopkins is a really good actor. Right. Harry Connick Jr., not so much. Hey, here's this, though. I bet you anything Harry Connick Jr. is better at playing piano. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Just putting that out there. He's got a heavenly voice when and I mean, he tickles if I, those ivories. If I mean, if you want to get laid, it's going to be Harry Connick Jr. That guy can just... <laughs> everybody loves the way that guy looks, right? Well, because, I mean, that, I mean he's doing the Brubeck. Like, that's his, <laughs> where he's gone. I mean, and it's all the Bach variations with fucking... <laughs> yeah, there's nothing sexy about Bach. I bet you Brian Cranston got a really long letter from uh, from Harry Connick Jr. about how good his performance of Walter White was, and he threw it in the fucking garbage. Every sentence ended with comma, man, period. <laughs> yeah, or, you know. <laughs> that did not make the internet. Yeah, Gawker didn't find that one. <laughs> so this movie, Sigourney Weaver, she's our main character here, more or less. She plays a, a a profiler, an expert with serial killers. She's written a bunch of books, and she's kind of made herself like public enemy number one for the serial killing community. Dr. Uh, Helen Hudson. Yeah, she's sort of like, you know, blowing the whistle on all these serial killers, explaining their traits and giving all these lectures around the country. Uh, we start with her giving one of these said lectures. Uh and, you know, she's explaining to the room, you know, statistics on serial killers. That's kind of all stuff that I always thought was just public knowledge. Any 14-year-old with the internet knew what this was. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they're predominantly white males between such and such an age. They live alone. They this, they that. Well, the best part about it is she's giving this lecture, and, you know, it is very, you know, humdrum. The fact, because obviously the screenplay isn't very well uh, researched, so it's stuff everybody knows. And she asks all the white males to stand up, and she's like... You're probably all serial killer. Like I, I, I guarantee you, at least one of you is a serial well, killer. My favorite part about this, so she does. She's like, okay, all the men between like 25 and 35 stand up. It's even vaguer. She starts with every all the men in the room stand up, and she says something about you know, like, come on, you're used to gawking at us all the time. Let right. us do you. And then she plays a round of guess who. <laughs> uh, you guys remember that game? Oh, yeah, Where it's like, uh, does your character have a hat on? Click, click, what? click, click. It's that. It's like, all right, now all the black guys sit down. All the Asian guys sit down. Hey, my favorite part about all of this is that when it's just the white, like the 30-year-old white guy standing up, she's like, hey, ladies, a couple of really good lookers here. I'm like, there's one attractive guy <laughs> that you have up on the screen. And it keeps the guy on the screen, by the way, the entire shot. Yeah, and he's smiling. And the like, rest oh. of them are chuds. <laughs> and they're, they're all serial killers. Yeah. 
And as like a little joke, she starts like mixing in pictures of old like like Dahmer and fucking Gacy on. Yeah, and Gacy she's like at the barbecue. Yeah, and she's like, wouldn't you wouldn't you say yes to a drink from one of these guys? I'm like, no fucking way. Here's the thing: I will never say yes to a drink from an obese man dressed as a clown. <laughs> Rule number one, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, Andrew. I'm buying. Oh, you're buying. Oh, <laughs> all right, Mr. Casey. Oh, clown face. Maybe we can work something <laughs> out after all. But, well, can I have one balloon? <laughs> Just one balloon. It's filled with cyanide. Uh, so she is attacked in the bathroom after this lecture by Harry Connick Jr. Because uh, it's... The it's like the falling dominoes of terrible police officers in this movie <laughs> starts off with these two guys who are they're assigned as like her security because yeah. it's sort of intimated that she's had problems you know with Harry Connick Jr. He's in jail now supposedly all this stuff you know she's she's had her battle with him like that's the movie we didn't see yeah so that's yeah. kind of like the Red Dragon to this Silence of the Lambs kind yeah. of a situation and you know. She's attacked in the bathroom by Harry Connick Jr., who kills this fucking police officer in two seconds. Well, in in the Jupin vernacular, this is a mint condition cock up. <laughs> it really because is. she has two police officers to follow her at all times. Right. One goes to take a shit right when she has to go to the bathroom. Which is great because she's like, uh, can you show me to the little girl's room? And the guy's like, hey, you got this because I got to use the little boy's room and <laughs> runs away. And then, second of all, it seems like this bathroom is just, like, a normal college bathroom. It looks like she's in, like, an auditorium out of college. Yeah, she's what, clearly, yeah, she's yeah. giving a lecture at some and, sort of... And, like, this bathroom, it seems like the cop would probably want to clear out, either would clear out everybody or would just, like, stand there and let other people in. But, no, he allows one person who's there... Well, it's lady legs, Lady Chris. legs. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, but just but also doesn't let anybody else in. It's a little stupid. Well, he's a terrible police officer. I mean, these, these policemen give the good policemen of Gotham a run for their money. Because these guys <laughs> are awful. And we will go... Piece by piece with all of the fucking cock-ups by the <laughs> SFPD in this film. What's awesome, too, is uh, before she says that she's got to go to the bathroom, like she's outside the lecture hall, and she's signing a book for I a girl, this. and she goes, uh, don't park near any vans. <laughs> That's a <her> little sign. <laughs> and I'm signing off. Thank you. Yeah, I'd be like, okay. okay yeah, right. you've, been, you've been researching a lot, haven't you? A lot of these guys, huh? But in the books? That's you- one of those things... If you put a drink down in a bar, it's gone forever. Talk to you later. <laughs> just think, just remember that. That's one of those things. I'm like, all right, you're a, like a serial killer expert. Like these people that all they think about is serial killers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had crazy. a couple of friends who had a bunch of big old encyclopedias of serial killers. You and- know what? You buy a book that's an encyclopedia of serial killers. You're on a list somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's got it, but you're on a list. I somewhere. hope somebody's got it. Someone's got the list? Yeah. Oh, someone's definitely got Somebody it. Somebody has the list. I don't know if it's like the Serial Killers, like Coalition of America, or the FBI. It's one or the other. I imagine the FBI would have to be the one to have that, I think. So these lady legs take off their lady shoes, and it's a dude foot. And you're like, <laughs> wait a second. Oh, it's Harry Connick Jr. hiding in this bathroom. Because he escaped from prison. <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about this. It's impossible to escape from prison, right? Like, it's like, 
literally almost impossible? Well, every now and again you hear about, like, there were some folks, like, maybe, like, a month ago that escaped from prison. But it was the first time in a really long time. And you know what those dudes definitely didn't do? Like, sneak around and kill this serial killer expert. Like, they were caught within a few days. Because you have to be under the radar because it's a big goddamn deal. Well, because every yeah, radio stations, television, your face is plastered. And guess what? Who's the first person who's learning that he's out of prison? And they bring this up later, by the way. It would be Helen Hudson, the one who testified against him. Right, yeah. She made the case that put him away the first time. Like, you know... Even fucking Casey Affleck b- breaks out of jail and ain't them body saints, and he's caught a couple of days later and killed. Like, come on. It's just a thing where, like, no, and also people don't break out of jail to go on a crime spree. They break out of jail to get to Mexico. Like, right. I got to get the fuck out of c- <laughs> yeah. the country. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to know anybody. It's not like, now I can continue doing crime. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, no one says I'm back. I mean, and that's one of the things with this movie, right? This movie is trying to be a super smart, realistic movie, but it's the moviest movie I've movied oh, yeah. in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, it is such a movie, it's not even It's funny. a regular movie. It's just regular, <laughs> schmegular, <laughs> just movie brand movie. So he, like, strings her up in this stall, like, kind of hanging her, and he's like, you know, the cop bursts in and he kills this dude by slitting his throat and shooting him in the face at the same time which is pretty cool harry connick jr yeah and he's like you know really swinging for the rafters you know just with this performance like oh there's a licking accent yeah licking knives all sorts of shit and he's got like it's hilarious because you obviously the first scene that he did he did a jim carrey where he probably took out uh the caps in his teeth because it's like He's got like these chipped teeth, and it makes him look less like Harry Connick Jr. Good on this movie, but later in the movie, it's just like black sharpie marker in that <laughs> formation. Oh man, you're telling me I got to go back and film some more of that there movie? I'm not taking my teeth back out. <laughs> I got a tour. Yeah, <laughs> got to play the piano. Get them digital effects going. <laughs> Not in this 1996 movie, by the way. So because he shoots this guy in the heart, the fucking the other cop drops his family circus and is like, oh, fuck. And he starts, <laughs> you know, he has to like finish up and run to rescue. It is one of my favorite shots in this movie. This movie is shot by Laszlo Kovacs, who's done a lot of good stuff like uh, Ghostbusters. I, he did a ton of, shit. of stuff, but it's I mean, it's it, it's attributed to him as the DP of this film and the director. This dude's terrible. But this shot of this fat police officer where the camera is like the frame is like twisting mm. and it's kind of tilting at the same time and it's out of focus and in slow motion. All of those things. And this fat fuck just Batmaning down I, this hallway. I mean, he, it's like Refrigerator Perry. He's just going for it. He looks like he's about to go through the door. <laughs> And then we just go to 13 months later, and it's copycat time. It's copycat time, and we find out that Helen Hudson is agoraphobic, which uh, means she's afraid to go outside. And it's, it's, it, that's, that's like the twist of this movie. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's also 40% of this movie. It's, it's just her being scared about hallways. Yep. And like one of the earlier, one of the first scenes that you see of this is like, the paper boy didn't put the paper like you have a service you have a person that's very like special who does this for you because you do not leave your house right you have a friend you have a living friend 
There's just a dude who kind of lives with you and, you know, assists you in your daily day to day. Just wait for that dude to wake up yep. to get the newspaper. Instead, we have this like 20 second sequence where she is trying to hit the newspaper with a broom because she can't reach it and she just can't go out in the hallway to Woo! get it. That is excitement and suspense. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. It's, oh man, I just, my heart was, I couldn't even. So. <laughs> While this, <laughs> yeah, it's, is she gonna get that newspaper? I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot at stake here. So while this is happening, uh, we are introduced to uh, Dermot Mulroney and Holly Hunter as uh, our cops, right? And let me just pause you there for a quick second. Congratulations to all the people that guessed copycat from Steve's fucking clue of Dermot Mulroney. By the way, <laughs> I, I I mean really. Yeah, I mean, it could have been Longtime Companion. It could have been <laughs> My Best Friend's Wedding. Ooh, stay tuned. Yeah, yeah stay tuned for both of those. No, I know Longtime Companion. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where when we were doing China O'Brien and you go, uh, or was it Eric or was it you? Someone said Dermot Mulroney. It was, Mul- me, it was you. You go Dermot Mulroney. And I was like, well, that's perfect. No one's going to guess this. And as soon as the episode dropped, like seven people were like, Dermot Mulroney. That's total. Oh, it's copycat. Copycat. Cop- oh, can't wait for copycat. Hey, congratulations doing copycat next week. I was like, holy fuck, these guys are good. Anyway, you were saying. So they're cops, and there's a weird thing in this movie, by the way, and uh, it, it's in the first scene as well where um, – while she's doing this lecture, she's like, wouldn't it be better if we didn't put these people to death and we yeah. kept them and we would study them? And like, sure, because there's this big thing in this movie where it's kind of like, we should just fucking kill these people. <laughs> yeah, there's a li- it's it runs through it because uh, the first scene we have of uh, Holly Hunter and Dermot Mulroney is they're doing a course like a, a, a how to they're they're yeah training. not unlike Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Also, though, uh, it's not like beautiful outside Jodie Foster running at Quantico. It's a fucking disgusting hallway and a shitty rooftop. Thanks, copycat. <laughs> it looked like the, the shitty uh, building at the end of uh, Heart Condition where they're having that shootout. Yeah, It just looks like a dilapidated... It totally it's did. awful. And-, and you know what, copycat? You want to be Silence of the Lambs? I'm going to compare you to Silence of the Lambs, so it's on. <laughs> also, your name movie. is Copycat. You can't be a movie called Copycat <laughs> and be blatantly copying other films. It's just... it's. It's giving too much of a comparison. If your name is Babe Ruth, you should go fucking play basketball. Because you know what? <laughs> Babe Ruth did a pretty good job playing baseball. Do not go and play. <laughs> or just be an insurance salesman. Be, yeah, even better. Yeah, stay out of professional sports altogether, yeah. Yeah, Babe probably, Ruth. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> so in this training, while they do um, you know, shooting practice. I, I don't know. the Targets. Target uh, practice. Target practice. Uh-huh. Excuse me. Um, and... Holly Hunter like does puts like three in one of the guy's shoulders and is like, that's how you're supposed to do it. Right. While German shoot- Mulroney shoots the fuck out of some guy. He sprays a dude and she's like, no, you shoot him this part of the shoulder because that's this muscle and his hand will drop the gun. Now put that in some parchment paper and slide it into your back pocket. Yeah, you don't want to lose that for uh, two hours from now. <laughs> and I mean, these two, I mean, they're in our vein of Mulder and Scully as well. We're like having a lot... We're having a little bit of a flirtation. These two are like making out throughout this whole movie. Like, 
She's his boss, and they're just flirt, flirt, flirt. Well, I don't know that they're bosses; they're partners. It's a, it it's like a partner. She, she's, thing. she's on the. Uh, she's been I, I around longer. Se- I mean, she's the senior, senior officer, yeah. but I think they are partners. Uh-huh. But even still, like, it's just there's not get getting any work done because they're moony eyed over each other. Yeah, no, it's definitely you know they're laying it on thick. And she's Mulder like, oh, had some. You know, your phone's game. ringing. You might as well pick up for your girlfriend. It's like this is not helpful for work. Like this is not how we should be handling this. Yeah, she's like chastising him for not picking up his huge cell phone. <laughs> well, because it, it's also you should in this situation, what we're used to is the newbie and the old like it, it would be nice if it was that nice delineation. Yeah. The rookie and the old timer. Because yeah. guess what else came out in the same year? Seven. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh huh. It's the same thing with Clint Eastwood and Dylan McDermott in, in The Line of Fire, where like it's always Clint Eastwood like, no, you're supposed to do this way. Oh, you should stop being such a grump. Right. And, like you can have that with a male and female. It can work out, and it would actually kind of be interesting. No. But this movie is just like, Dermot Moroni does not matter other than to be kind of flirtatious with everybody in the room. Well, the one thing that they try to set up, and it doesn't get past this first target practice scene, is that she is like the by-the-book cop, and he's yeah. kind of like the whatever man as long as the case gets done. you know. And she kind of carries that over into this crime scene that they go to where we learn that you know there is indeed a serial killer loose uh, you know, in the streets of San Francisco who's, who's murdering women, this, that, and the other thing. And that's kind of like the thrust of this movie is they have to engage with uh, Sigourney Weaver because she keeps crank-calling the police <laughs> department, giving tips, and then hanging up the phone. And I don't know about agoraphobia, agoraphobia too much like i understand it's a real thing and whatnot and you know people are afflicted by it but sure. does that also mean you can't talk to the outside world because she's yeah. like hello this is sigourney weaver and this is a thing you're missing in this case and they're like who is this and she's like ah! and hangs up the phone <laughs> well no because they're fucking they're toying with her they're like making fun of like she says the killer's on her looter cycle and they're like oh, she's on a moon bike like come well, on someone guys- else is on their lunar cycle if you know what i mean lady <laughs> like I understand that, you know, where it's whatever and, like, you know, it's a serial killer, so there's a lot of crank calls. But if somebody's like, you know, he's copycatting, he's copycatting the Boston Strangler, he's on a lunar cycle, like, <laughs> I'll just type that up on my invisible typewriter. Like, no, <laughs> fucking listen to it and follow the lead. Yeah, it, click, 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 Mr. Jackass. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, man. So... They trace the call at this one point because Holly Hunter talks to her and she's like, oh, that sounds a little bit legit. And they, you know, they trace it to Sigourney Weaver's apartment. They go there and uh, Holly Hunter proceeds to badger her into a panic attack. Straight up bullies her into (laughs) joining this case. And they, it's kind of a thing where they're like, oh yeah, agoraphobia, huh? What are you scared of spiders? You fucking pussy. Like all this shit. (laughs) And she starts like, having this panic attack and th- uh, that dude who plays like the librarian assistant in Ghostbusters has to like get her a paper bag three Ghostbusters connections in this movie by the that's way true. not too many not not nearly enough not nearly enough Ghostbusters influence in this movie yeah and he's like her gay assistant and like you know he's gay because he keeps reminding everyone that he's gay so that when he gets murdered as a gay man you're not surprised yeah it's one of those things where we're in the mid 90s so we have gay characters at this point and it's okay for them to be gay but they can't say it so it's like coy gay characters and it's like you know he brings up something about her shitty (laughs) ex-husband it's just it's all fucking like talking about the cut cut of dylan mcdermott's suit like that's really all that 
yeah. lends itself to that whole thing. Yeah, because like you know, he says something about uh, like, oh yeah, that Dylan McDermott was pretty, uh, pretty, or Dermot Mulroney. See, Dermot oh Mul- now we're fucking now doing it. All, yeah. God damn it! You introduced Dylan McDermott to this conversation, <laughs> and oh. they can't exist in the same fucking space. Oh man, this fucking this episode is sunk. It's po- you've poisoned this. I want to just push them into each other and watch them time cop into nothing. Totally. They turn into a big, hairy Ron Silver and melt away. (laughs) Station! They are station. They turn into the best actor ever. It's this (laughs) eight-foot actor who's fantastic. SNL actually did a funny sketch about what we're talking about. It's a game show called Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. (laughs) And they both appeared on it. It was pretty funny. Uh, So... So what they're, yeah, they're talking about, he's like, oh yeah, Dermot Mulroney, you know, he looked pretty handsome. Don't you want to have sex with him after that shitty ex-husband? And she's like, yeah, he is pretty attractive. And like, then he rubs her arm and I'm like, this is how you're expressing that you're a gay character. Like, this is so the mid nineties. It's not even funny. Well, like satin shirts too. Mm -hmm. She goes, oh, I miss men. And he's like, well, don't look at me, sweetheart. Bye-bye. And it's like, I, I, re- I really got that he's a What am I? Chopped liver? Yeah, that's yeah, the, oh, that's yeah, the, the one. one, the one of those. And unlike most successful serial killer movies like your seven, uh, we, oh, actually, we can't really make a rule on this. We always kind of fault the movie no matter what. Is they, we, we, we know who the killer is right off the bat. They show him, and he's really boring. Boring as fuck. That's the problem, though, and we were kind of talking about this before we went on the air, and you're right. We do flip-flop on things all the time, and we're going to find out where the movie's at fault here. That's the point of what we're doing, but, you know, we always credit silence as, like, you know, you know who the serial killer is, but here's the thing. Silence does a good job at, you know, addressing this character, making him an actual character. This dude is just Johnny Boring. He's got a wife that he, like, hates, and he's got a little, like, danger basement where he keeps women and creepy photos and stuff. Well, because what's interesting, and, like, it's a vanishing thing, obviously, I I would assume, but, like, what's interesting about the vanishing is that you, he's a character, and he's the killer. Yeah. At the same time. Correct. This guy's just the killer. You have to also, if you're going to show me the guy from the beginning... I have to give a good sense of his full scope of his life. You And this is what sucks is they kind of do it. They kind of dip their toe in it, right? Like he works at a sperm bank. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like that plays into like how he's creating these crime scenes and everything. He works at a sperm bank. The only time we see him at work is a camera is placed inside a refrigerator and there's a tight close-up of him opening the door, swapping out sperm samples and closing it. And that's the only, like, you don't see him interacting with coworkers. You don't see him going to the grocery store. You don't see him, you don't see him asking an overweight woman to help him put a couch into a van. He's not taking a blind woman to see a tiger. Like, there's none of that <laughs> shit. Exactly. It's just like him doing serial killer stuff and this one scene where his wife's like, uh, oh, don't you want to watch whatever with me? Oh, letter, like a t- oh, you want to watch Letterman? She says, you know, I can't watch talk shows alone. I'm like, this is nothing. Uh, side note: Is she an invalid? I don't know what's. I mean, she just seems like an old sad sack. I think she's supposed to be kind of like a bedridden thing, though. Yeah, I mean, that's how he has this like not exactly well hidden murder basement you know what i mean she just kind of seems like a john waters character (laughs) like she's just like on her bed with the like uh the dog and she's like oh don't you want to get in bed with me and watch lano and like you're just like shut the fuck and even the dog can't be cute like it's one of those situations like you look at the dog and it's like (laughs) (laughs) like, just a mangy pomeranian (laughs) which nobody needs 
This episode's brought to you in part by Rocket Money, and they have this question for you. They handed to me just now. Mr. Rocket just handed me this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they pay around $80 a month on subscription services, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And with Rocket Money, you could lower those bills without resorting to having bean dinners every day of the week. You know, you have those bean dinners to try to save some few bucks. But if you were monitoring your spending with Rocket Money, you didn't necessarily need to eat every bean dinner. So find out what all the fuss is about. You know, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like the Stars app. Don't get me started. You don't have to go through all the back end of the website anymore. You don't have to call customer service. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place as well and categorizes everything. It's easy to keep track of a whole budget. Even I can do it and I got rocks in my head. So find out what 3 million people have already done. They've taken the Rocket, folks. Stop throwing the money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHM. That is rocketmoney.com slash WHM. Once more, rocketmoney.com slash WHM, which stands for We Hate Movies. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25, and for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time, and the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. Ever since I started sitting down with a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash W-H-M. I mean, so we're, we're, we've got three prongs going. It's Gourney Weaver can't leave the house. Dermot Mulroney and Holly Hunter are making moon eyes at each other. And this guy's fucking killing people. And he's at the bottom of the of the pole, by yeah, the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just every so often he kills somebody and they finally realize, like, oh, my God, he's a copycat. This looks like, and like he's uh, the best copycat of all copycats because he's seemingly randomly picking people, but they have the right apartments for these. Things. Like everything's like picture perfect. You, what he's doing. And this is actually that's what's frustrating. You know, we talk about these bad movies as when they have decent concepts. Yeah, sure. And this is a decent concept. Sure. It's a serial killer that each of his killings is in the style of a different famous serial killer. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of working his way through, like, 
you know, uh, Boston Strangler, Ed Gein, uh, 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 Son of Sam. Like, he's going through all these people, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Insert this concept into an actual movie and not just this run-of-the-mill movie movie, and you've got something going here. So what they what they start deducing also is that he's kind of cyber stalking Sigourney Weaver. There's also, by the way, a lot of POVs of like he's clearly uh, like looking in on her apartment yep. from yep. afar, and he's like he he does sneak in a couple of times too. Like she takes a shower, Sigourney Weaver does, and uh, he lays out like this red dress on her bed, and that's the dress she was wearing when she was hung by Harry Connick Jr. at the beginning. And, and I get it. You're trying to build... Like, th- that scene goes on for, like, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I get it. You're building suspense by, like, oh, man, what's around this corner? What's around this corner? But it's really, when you look back at that scene, it's really just ten minutes of Sigourney Weaver not looking at, like, anything in particular, and then a red dress is on her bed. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just drinking a lot of brandy throughout this whole movie. And, and really what this movie needs and what Sansa Lamb had, I mean, other either Gallo's humor, yeah. which this is yeah. a humorless movie, uh-huh. or B, and I, I know you're super serious, but some fucking action, please. <laughs> just something. Just anything. Or, twist, what if she has a Requiem for a Dream's freakout? She's thinking about the red dress, and she's just <laughs> watching TV, and the fridge keeps moving towards the her. The red dress is floating around. <laughs> she's got all that sorts of pills great. in her system. Yeah, if she's, like, legitimately crazy, let her crazy on out yeah. for a little yeah, while. We got a winner, you know? Just... <laughs> you know what we have instead, by the way? Exciting edge-of-your-seat cyber action. <laughs> Oh, you know, and here's the other thing, because it's 1995 and the Internet's just fucking sucking everybody's dick. (laughs) Like this movie now is like also a cyber thriller because she is like interacting with people in chat rooms. She's possibly playing chess against him at one point with a guy. I'm not sure if it's him, but there's some guy she's playing chess with who and like. I get the feeling it was just some lonely librarian in the middle of Utah who comes from Czechoslovakia, and he called him, his username is Checkmate. Yeah. Uh. Shut the fuck up, movie. <laughs> well, you know it was early enough. In, it was early enough in the in the. It was early enough in the internet you could do that. You, you didn't have to be checkmate four one five nine. He was the first one to the party. Yeah, he had checkmate before you to put a bunch of nonsense numbers after. And him. I mean, she has Sandra Bullock's the net in her computer because it's all computer magic. Like the yep. internet still hasn't caught up to the shit she can do in nineteen ninety five. She also has. I you know. I guess this is because she's an agoraphobe. She has like a huge computer workstation. It's three different computers all computing different things. Like she's got uh, a chat line that's like a support group for agoraphobes. So she's got you know mm-hmm. that going on. She's got this fucking chess dungeon thing going on. Uh, and I guess she's also kind of like reading the news and still doing research and stuff from her computer. By the way, you're so internet savvy. Why don't you get some headlines online? Yeah, seriously. What was what was happening on Netscape's homepage that <laughs> she, day? She also. Has- has the Photoshop from 2200. <laughs> <laughs> this, let's talk about this fucking magic. So, like, he is making these, you know, uh, like, shittily animated, like, not even flash animation, but, like, these things where, like, he's leaving clues, like, this girl's gonna be next, and it's like her face turns into a skull or whatever. There's one scene where, towards the end of the film, where she's, like, ready to get back at this guy. And she uses Photoshop 2200 
to make a thing like this. And it's just her. She very easily just super accurately cuts her face out of a picture, puts it on this wedding photo, and just like does her own thing. And it like it it sews her face onto this bride's face so seamlessly. It's even worse because he has Photoshop twenty five hundred because oh his is way better because he takes her he takes her face again and puts it on this woman who's got her head covered in a plastic bag that he's you know been killing or whatever and he clicks he double clicks and the photo somehow goes underneath the plastic bag <laughs> so now the plastic bag is on her face it's it's incredible it's yeah. a real technological breakthrough like it's like bullshit where like I'm sure if he wanted to he could hit like red and give her red hair for some reason which we know <laughs> that takes for fucking ever anyone who's photoshopped anything know is knows it takes fucking forever to, to do, do anything. anything well anything halfway to well this is perfect here's a weird thing about these movies and I mean just because I, I thought of the net and then I was thinking of perfect stranger and now I'm thinking of this uh-huh. there's a nice little line of like Really attractive women using only the internet, like just like the, the idea of like these shut-ins that are just like, oh, no man will ever want me. I'm just Sandra Bullock. Like you know, like <laughs> come on. I, I'm sure, like honestly, if Sigourney Weaver was like, hey, look, all she has to do is open her blinds and wave, and men will come to her house. <laughs> like if you're that agoraphobic, make them come to you. And let me tell you, speaking of her house, by the way, those books must be selling because this place is gorgeous. Oh yeah, right on the bay. Oh mother of God, it's this humongous. place is humongous. It's so huge. There's it's computer so things all over. You could, you know, remote control the blinds or remote control the door. It's totally a fucking Ed Harris, you know, show the sun. <laughs> Question, does her house smell like shit? Because it probably smells like shit, right? I mean, she's got the guy cleaning pretty frequently, I would think. I would wager probably, but I would say in that funk of like, you know, at the start of the day, we all showered and then took a long car ride and it still kind of smells because it's just people. Yeah. Like, it's probably that. But she's not a hoarder. No. She doesn't have any pets, so there's not cat shit anywhere. I did not see a pile of old newspapers, mainly because you can't fucking get them out of the hallway. <laughs> I will say the sweater smell. The sweater's half The sweater's oh, got yeah. a little B.O. thing going on. Because how often are you going to wash a sweater? I mean, it's not you know often, what I mean? Man. Like, you're doing, be- the, you're doing the wash... Put you gotta put on a line. In. It's not. You don't want to dry it. It's a whole thing. And I mean, it's like they show her taking a shower at like eleven o'clock at night. She's on all sorts of weird, different schedules because the sun means nothing. Because I'm afraid of outside. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Like she's insane. I mean, that's also why she's got these huge things that can cue the sun and not because she might as well live in a fucking casino. <laughs> Like it's just it's dark twenty four hours, and that's another. And she's drinking all day, just 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 like a casino booze hound, just drinking all day. And the other thing, that electricity bill must be through the roof because Mm. she wakes up in the middle of the night after having a nightmare. The all three computers are on. She's got a fucking TV on, still watching cartoons. Like a fucking shady dog lives there. Well, it's got to keep noise on. Well, it's not like she's going to the museum or the movies (laughs) or out to dinner, so you can spend it on the electricity. But by the way, also. Everybody in this movie fucking hates her for no reason. <laughs> Everyone is so shitty to this woman who's clearly hyper intelligent and has a severe disability. And they're like, you fucking piece of shit. Why won't you help us on our court case? Well, because Holly Hunter and Dermot Mulroney. Got it. Mm-hmm. There we are. Uh their boss is Eddie Dane from Miller's Crossing. Oh, that's who that guy is. He looks so fucking familiar. He's killing me. You're acting smart. Yeah, you're <laughs> acting smart. 
No, he, he went to the uh, Blue Jasmine School of San Francisco acting, <laughs> where like it's just he's like, yeah, I'm from, I've always lived here in San Francisco. It's like, no, you haven't. You're referring to Bobby Cannavale and uh, the dude from uh, uh, Doogie Howser and yeah. the Sopranos in the Woody Allen. Born film. and bred in San Francisco. What are you talking about? Oh, hey, my fucking name is Chili. I came from down by the fucking bay. Been there, born and bred. Oh, gobble oh, be. How I mean I mean whatever Woody <laughs> Allen it wasn't a great movie I thought it was pretty good but I liked it, it. that that was a part she, that I she's got the performance of her life in that well, movie that's kind of about it I'm sorry Chris go on <laughs> may I <laughs> Steve just bowed to Chris by the way it was very interesting um and he's like she gives them good tips by the way. Hundred percent, because she's an expert at she's, what they're dealing with. She's hitting bullseyes left and right, and his whole fucking thing is she's writing a book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like he actually accuses Sigourney Weaver uh, through Holly Hunter. They never have a scene together. She he says to Holly Hunter like, "Oh, I wonder how all these things keep getting leaked to the press." Sounds like somebody's trying to write a book, and it's also a weird backwards way of saying like she's. In it with the serial killer to put him ahead of the police. I'm like, no, hey, buddy, you just have two of the worst detectives in the area on this case. The lady who extricated herself from society for over a year is now looking for a little press. (laughs) (laughs) The lady who tried to do nothing but help you and then your detective badgered to the point of her collapsing and breathing into a fucking brown bag and then laughed at her on the walk through the parking lot and the best these two fucking morons could do is play moonlighting together because (laughs) you got will Patton in the background oh god this and it's important because he's part of the most significantly useless part of this film oh man i can't wait and he's just like he's he's I guess Holly Hunter's ex boyfriend who's also on the force and he's always like hey you want to go like he like is is that weird ex boyfriend that always invites you out for a beer and you have to remind him like no that's 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 not within our boundaries Sorry. you know this isn't cool anymore right <laughs> okay it, just just that maybe you want to go for a beer tonight like no you, you can't ask me that anymore he is that character and he, he's super aggressive when it comes to. Uh, Mulroney. Nice. Um, so he's super aggressive when it comes to him uh, because he thinks he's fucking Holly Hunter, which I mean, I would too if I was in the office. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if everyone's doing it, might as well be my turn. Everyone in the SFPD thinks that the two of them are fucking because mm-hmm. it's almost impossible that they're not. <laughs> which would be fine if you were just kind of like, oh, so you've seen him, okay, whatever. But Will Patton's like, oh, yeah, you're fucking him. <laughs> and like, uh, I guess what's his face? Mulroney uh, spends the night at Sigourney Weaver's because, like, copycat gets into her copy computer and you know is is doing all sorts of copy crimes. So he stays inside. He stays with her the whole night, and then he's late to the next crime scene, which I believe is the Hillside Strangler. Correct. Yes. And you know it's just a dead body uh, outside of a outside of like a no dumping sign, and like there's a dead woman naked and like clues all around, and Will Patton's like, hey. What are you, who are you fucking? Are you cheating on Holly Hunter? Huh? Huh? And he's like, are you kidding? There's a crime scene right here. It's also because uh, Dermot Mulroney's got like a wolf man the next day beard. Yeah. Yep. You know, because 
again, this is a movie. <laughs> you know, he all of a sudden has this like sick beard going on, and he's like, "Oh, nice beard, huh? Who you fucking around on her with?" And he's like, "Uh." See that dead nude woman over there? I think that's kind of priority. And they totally get into a shoving match. And Holly Hunter's got to come in and be like, hey, guys, not here. My Holly, Holly Hunter-, Hunter impression is very close to my Gary Busey impression <laughs> for a reason. Is she three and a half feet tall? Interesting bit of trivia about this picture. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is well over a foot taller than she is. Yeah. So in scenes that they had to get had together, they either were both or Sigourney Weaver was sitting down the entire time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. There that. is a scene though where she's walking in the the police station with the chief, and this dude is way taller than yeah. her, and he's just kind of looking down like. Hey, you got any clues, clues, clues? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. How's Harvey Keitel's penis in person? <laughs> Is it just as menacing as it looks like in the piano? <laughs> it's pretty menacing. That's a dick I've seen too, too many times. Please, that guy's dick. I can't even... I can't even get up in the morning without seeing it. It's just, it's just everywhere. It's well, you omnipresent. Got, you got, you got that, that weird bad lieutenant poster yeah. on your fridge. <laughs> it's your own fucking fault you see that dick every day. It'd be great if you actually got like like detailed, like a van on your fridge. It was just <laughs> Harvey Keitel stretching his arms out and moaning. <laughs> every time you open the thing, it goes <laughs> It's like a refrigerator <laughs> yeah. alarm. <laughs> it's like that pig in the Nutty Professor that keeps on oinking whenever Eddie Murphy opens the fridge. So the gay assistant is basically he's waiting to be murdered. He's yeah. dead. He's dead meat. He's absolute dead meat. Every time, like every so often, he remembers. He's like, "Hey, remember me, guys? Not dead yet. Gonna happen." And it's also he's so just stereotypical because aside from that one scene where she has the panic attack, every other scene that this this dude has is him stepping out for a yeah. night on the town. Yep. Every fucking time. That's all this dude does until he steps out one too many times and gets murdered by Copycat. <laughs> Copycat knew where he was going, and it he came out the wrong night because it was Copycat's night to play Dahmer, and that's a big yeah, mistake. Right, and so now what they have discovered, by the way, is they, they've found an old... Uh, 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 lecture that she gives and she's like this is my standard lecture that I was touring around with and in a part of that lecture she names multiple serial killers in a certain order and that's the order that this dude's been adopting or adapting like his killing profile to but before he does the Dahmer and I think this is important because I I, I took a uh, <laughs> I took I, I put down a note that said the police break oh for Be- fuck's sake. <laughs> because before they go to the Dahmer, they find uh, a Son of Sam copycat killing. Correct. Some, David uh, Berkowitz got, yeah. himself. Somebody got shot in the car. And they find a note in the phone, uh, the phone booth right near it. And it's, on one side, it's like, Helen, how you doing? What's up? I don't know. I'm your killer. Whatever. <laughs> it's me, uh, copycat. Hey, it's me, copycat. 
I thought we'd start this, you know, maybe just, you know, back and forth a little bit. Anyway, on the back of it is the full lyrics to uh, Murder by Numbers by the police. What is this guy in high school? Like, <laughs> fucking grow up, copycat. This is a real emotional move for copycat. <laughs> He's putting himself out there. She might say no. <laughs> I mean, he st- the first draft of this was, it, it was every little thing she does is magic. <laughs> but then he changed it because he thought, you know, no, but not many people know about this one. But then it was like, I'll be watching you. And he's like, that's too obvious. Stupid copycat. Stupid, stupid copycat. Oh, murder by numbers. That'll do. (laughs) And then for like two minutes, there's this montage of us just listening to the police. And they're like sitting around the, the, the police station playing the song. She's got the lyrics posted up on an overhead projector. And then the chief of police walks in like, uh, sorry to break up this high school locker room. <laughs> and she's like, oh, sorry, chief. <laughs> so what have we learned? Absolutely nothing from this? Great. Let's go on. <laughs> yeah, this is where uh, the their, her boss, the lieutenant's kind of just like, will you stop talking to Sigourney Weaver? Now you're just sitting around listening to fucking rock and roll music. So Copycat they did- goes to the gay club, right? Correct. They determined, by the way, the next thing is Jeffrey Dahmer. We all know Jeffrey Dahmer only killed men. Yes. And you know what? Here's something. He's a really good copycat up until this point because he's doing like photo for photo, like reenactments. He's like fucking, uh, he's like Gus Van Sant in Psycho. He's just getting it just right every time. Shot for shot. To the point where you're like, well, why the fuck are we even bothering, you know? (laughs) What the fuck are you doing this for? You know what, copycat? Why don't you put your own spin on things here? (laughs) Exactly. Fucking a little essence of emerald in there. Bam! This murder scene. (laughs) And you know, a joke from 1997, by the way. Sure, why not? Time machine humor. And, you know, just because, you know, killing a gay guy does not make you Jeffrey Dahmer, all right? That's like fucking shooting a basketball makes you Clyde the Glide Drexler. Does not happen. (laughs) It's not the same difference. There's a lot of more fuck. There's style. There's panache. First of all, copycat, get a job at a candy factory if <laughs> yeah, you want to exactly. be Jeffrey Dahmer. Make those chocolate Easter bunnies. If also, get severely sexually abused when you're a child. <laughs> yeah. That is also going to help you big time. If, you you're, if you're not fucking that corpse, you're wasting everyone's time. You're not doing Dahmer. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and... This is one of the most ridiculous, and again, this is just a terribly directed film. Uh, so we cut to the the uh, assistant and his boyfriend have left Sigourney Weaver again for another night on the town. And there's this whole thing. It's the anniversary of the Summer of Love or some fucking horse shit. Oh, so they're having cares. all these like hippy-dippy love parties and whatnot. So he's like, oh, it's this like terribly embarrassing, like, oh, peace, love, groovy. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm going out, Sigourney Weaver. And they go to this club and we we the first cut into this club is a is is copycats on the phone and he's just called and played like a tape of her testimony or some shit into the phone and she freaks out and hangs up the phone so he's like haha job done copycat hangs up the phone and then we tilt down and there is a table with two daiquiris and a bunch of people around everywhere, <laughs> including a woman who is clearly facing the fucking table where these drinks are sitting on. And copycat roofies one of them yeah. just in front of God and everybody. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, copycat, you're the worst roofier in the history of everything. At least Dahmer knew how to get these guys legitimately drunk and get them back to his weird apartment. And then there's a So I Married an Axe Murderer cappuccino shot <laughs> that brings him to the there gay guy's table. She- 
goes. There she goes. <laughs> well, no, because it's fucking fame. David Bowie's fame is blaring yeah. at this club. Yeah. And he comes up to the gay guy just like, the guy, it's really weird because they just hold on the shot of the gay assistant and like he's down in this fucking <laughs> pina colada and he's just like making eyes like, mm, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to get killed. <laughs> I can't wait to die tonight. Ooh, ooh, this tastes like Rufy's here. There she goes. There <laughs> she blows. I mean, I it's, just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, much like the movie itself is ignorant towards gay culture. Copycat himself is like, well, this is what they like, right? Oh, here, take it. And also, you know what? I'm sorry. This guy's like 40 years old. This guy doesn't exact. This guy knows the score. If somebody, some weirdo's like, hey, you want a free drink, buddy? He's like, yeah, I, I, I've seen that movie. Weird baby-faced guy, by the way. This yeah. guy looks like a baby. But Copycat knows what he's got to do in his surroundings, right? So, like, Copycat's, like, dumb Copycat glasses are off. Yeah. He's got contacts in. His hair's kind of done up. He's dressed a lot better than we've normally seen. You know, from what we've become accustomed to Copycat dressing well, like, he has, you know. he has his glasses, but he he has like a fucking John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, like the a shirt Tony Monero shirt going on here. <laughs> and like he's just kind of like danced to the music and then, and then it cuts. And by the way, the only uh, death that we get to really sink our teeth into is the death of the gay guy. Well, because again, it's not even a fucking Dahmer killer. You're just strangling a gay guy in an alley. You know who could do that? Anybody. Not, not You're not using your copycat powers. So he kills him in this alley at the same time that Holly Hunter has traced the call that Sigourney Weaver got. And she's like, oh, I think it's at this bar. Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, they, they hop on down there. But then we cut to he's getting strangled with a bag over his head. He kills him. It's actually hilarious because he's supposed to be smooshing the actor's face against a gate. <laughs> but this shit is just clearly bending in front of the camera because yep. it's the worst directed movie ever. And <laughs> nobody saw this shit coming. And then the dude falls down. And you see his like feet kick a little bit. And then the dude grabs a saw and cuts his head off. Yeah. Which is the Dahmer part of it. A, dumber, a bit Dahmerific for sure. And then, you know, we cut to the bodies getting fished out of the bay. Can we... Because we're going down our ca- our cop countdown. Can we go to our second worst cop of the movie? Because <laughs> number one, we'll find, and that's the biggest thing, but no- second worst cop of the movie, coming in at number two, is Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's first guard, whose only job is, like, this woman is a fucking serial killer profile. She's agoraphobic. She's disabled, practically. You know, she cannot leave this house. You have to guard her. And we're in the middle of a guy who's giving her threatening letters. Yeah. Yeah, there's this huge case that presumably, officer, you know about. And a car alarm goes off, and he's like, that fuck. And he goes outside (laughs) to deal with it. Are you fucking kidding me, sir? Now, here's the thing. Uh, You know, there have been times on my street when the car alarm goes off, and we've had, like, the car alarms going off for fucking hours. Sure. It'll stop, and then it'll go off. And eventually, somebody calls the police, and they come and fucking rip the thing out and then call the owner, and that's the end of it. That's what's supposed to happen when someone's car alarm keeps going off. But it's understood that you kind of just let it go for a while. One, because you're lazy, and two, because the dude might not notice it right away. This guy, it's like, boo-doo, and he's like, god damn it, and like hikes up his drawers and fucking walks up. I'm like, dude, just give it a second. Like, the person could be on the way to the car right now. Speaking of hiking up your drawers... Why he's the worst... Okay, so that's happening. But also, and it's a little hint, you just have to look for it. 
Um, <laughs> when he goes to deal with it, his table, which is where he's been, you know, all of his stuff is, it's Chinese food, three cups of coffee, and a fucking thing of Milano cookies. <laughs> he is fucking stanking up Sigourney Weaver's shitter. <laughs> Slash, he's a walking Kathy cartoon. <laughs> It's just, and you know, obviously Copycat goes in, and I think this is when he puts all sorts of ants in her bed, <laughs> which is my favorite thing. Again, who are you copycatting here? He's uh, copycatting a 12-year-old boy he met one time, when also as a boy, <laughs> when they played a prank on this boy's older sister. <laughs> it's just like Sigourney Weaver lays down like, God, my life is terrible. I hope this is over with soon. And then she's like, ew, an ant. Ew, another ant. <laughs> and it's just this bed's covered with ants, and there's a copy of... She says good grief at this point, by the way. She goes, <laughs> oh, good grief! There's a copy. She, like, flips the mattress up. There's a copy of of Harry Connick Jr.'s book that he's written in prison about the whole experience with, like, a fucking finger cut in it. you left in there, like, a cut-off finger. And all the while, this guy's like, this Caroline's giving me a lot of problems! <laughs> he's really digging into this thing, and there's, like, a group of people that have formed around, like, no, I think it's your cut that with this fucking car alarm and by the way uh when she's doing her uh you know cyber nonsense um at one point like a virus makes a bunch of cyber worms come up and eat a picture and they're supposed to be maggots because she's oh, the maggots yeah, yes. yeah. but it makes a little like noise like like it's a weird noise and the same exact fucking noise plays when the ants come out of the goddamn thing <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? Bad design, bad cinematography, bad fucking foley work. It's all there. Don't worry. And copycats copycatting. And, like, things are heating up. It's like, we know we're getting towards the third act. I think at this point, we've called up Harry Connick Jr. And he's got his, like, bad, like... Skyping, by the way. Yeah, they do kind of like a prehistoric Skype situation from jail. Okay. And my favorite thing in the world is that he has a hat that says, These colors don't run. And he has an American flag on the fucker. It's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. Uh, you know what? This guy Bruce is still Darren. allowed to love his country. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And they do, yeah, they do a Skype where he's like, yeah, this guy came to me and he was asking me all sorts of questions and, you know, he's my disciple now and it's this name. And hey, blah, Doc, blah, you blah. ever see Silence of the Lambs? It's kind of like that, but it's not really as good. It's interesting. You coming to me for help like this, I'm going to help you like that sophisticated doctor <laughs> did to that lady cop. And Holly Hunter's like, hey, Doc, you got any phone books? I can't see the screen. <laughs> She's so tiny. She's a short woman. So Dermot Mulroney comes to the rescue and, like, Copycat jumps out the window, yeah. you know, and he's like, I'll deal with you later, you fucking asshole. You're the worst <laughs> cop I've ever seen in my life. Like, this dude's career is over He with. says he's the worst cop he's ever seen in his life, but not just yet. It's <laughs> Oh, and, and here's the scene. Here's the scene. So, by the way, so it's sort of like paint a little bit of a background for this scene, right? Uh, so Will Patton, who's barely in this movie and nobody cares about, all of a sudden comes to the spotlight. He's been working on some Chinatown case for ages. Oh, Will Patton's Chinatown case. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually, says Copycat the movie. <laughs> so here we are. Will Patton's big time to shine with the big Chinatown bust. We cut to the police precinct. Like a hundred Chinese people are being arrested at once. Mm -hmm. Okay, Everybody's trying to deal with all these mobsters, this, that, and the other thing. And there's a little tiny young guy just kind of sitting off to the side, handcuffed. It's kind of like in The Simpsons when the 
uh, during in the pretzel up when she yes. opens the pretzel stand. Like, I know that, that guy's little guy's going to do something. <laughs> I just want to see what it is. You know it's going to be good. <laughs> and in your head, you're like, well, what does this have to do with copycat? You know, where is copycat? Like, is it? I don't know. I don't know what serial killing this is, is going to copycat. Copycatting the yakuza, <laughs> the entire yakuza. I mean, it's just out of nowhere this scene and it just keeps getting out of nowhere and you know will Patton's like all right you know I'll, I'll be with you in a second and right next to this guy he clearly puts his gun in the drawer but doesn't lock it and he's like oh i gotta go deal with this other thing it leaves the key in it yep just the key just stuck in there like a drunk businessman coming home and not locking the door right and Dermot Mulroney and his all, all of his wide-eyed innocence is like hey man you want a donut and the guy's like uh-huh and he's like all right, I'll, I'll unlock you, but don't don't do anything wrong, or I'll tell mom <laughs> I'm gonna live forever. And then all of a sudden, the guy pulls out Will Patton's gun, and it's like a hostage situation. And I'm like, where the fuck is Copycat in all of this? Copycat sitting home watching the news, eating Chinese. We're like, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's secretly pulled the gun out of the drawer amidst all the confusion that the rest of the mafia is causing in the precinct. So he's got a gun to Dermot Mulroney's head. Dermot Mulroney is just innocently strolling into the squad room with a box of donuts that he doesn't let go the entire time this hostage situation's happening. I think Copycat during this whole thing is like trying to like fix a squeaky bedpost for his like <laughs> wife. Well, you do need to put some effort into that relationship. He's Chris. changing that invalid wife's bedpan at the time of this incident. Just doing a Finally! big <laughs> So, you know, this dude, it like he's trying to back out of the precinct with Dermot Mulroney as like the hostage, and Holly Hunter's strolling in, like, ah, another night on the copycat case. <laughs> What's this? Something completely out of left field? I wonder if me and Dermot's gonna happen tonight. Yeah. Wonder if I'm gonna fuck that partner of mine tonight. <laughs> and so she sees what's going on, and now everybody pull the note you made out of your back pocket, because okay. here it comes the first time. She fires off a shot. This dude drops the gun and falls to the ground, and Dermot Mulroney, still holding this box of donuts, is like, wow, that was close. And Holly Hunter, being the stick to the guns by the books cop, doesn't, you know, just blast this guy. In the shoulder. Three in the shoulder. That's all you need. Right. This dude picks up the gun and murders Dermot Mulroney for no reason. Like, what the fuck movie am I watching right now? Like, why? <laughs> it's not about cops. It's about. It's about Sigourney Weaver and Copycat. That's it. And the cops kind of help out in the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, these cops needed to be fucking background material at most times. But Donald Rooney's a main character. Why don't you have Copycat go kill him if you want to kill him so goddamn bad? Copycat has to be the guy to take one of their, their lives. Like, that's how movies work. Like, that's just... That's fucking writing a story. You know, not even movies. That's just stories. What? That's how that stuff happens. Not a random Chinese thug. <laughs> out of nowhere. That's fucking shit on a dartboard, man. And you just chuck no, it. Like, to me, it goes directly to what the movie. Like, it's it's really just about like you don't don't take precautions. Let God sort them out. Just kill them. And like that's the <laughs> whole thing of this whole movie is that like 
she shot him in. She did the right thing. She she was by the books. Yeah. She did the right thing, and her fucking partner got murdered for it. She should have just put one in his head, yeah. and this would have all been fine. But to be fair, it's about as subtle and as relevant as Lawrence Fishburne getting killed by a bear in the middle of the Matrix. Because you're just like, wait, what the fuck? Where'd that bear come from? Why did that happen? What does it have to do with the system? Although you did just describe my my favorite movie ever made. <laughs> Bro, you don't know about Matrix Bears. Come on. <laughs> so Matrix he's... Mr. Anderson. <laughs> the bear comes out of nowhere with sunglasses on. All of a sudden, it's the edge for no reason. Oh, man, that's great. Bart the Bear shows up. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> the Berenstein Bears are flying to Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> oh, dozer. So... He's just dead. And then we cut to this scene of Holly Hunter and Will Patton just in the, in the room. Just, he's like, oh man, I'm totally going to get suspended. I'm such an idiot. And she's like, you're not an idiot. All cops make mistakes. (laughs) And he's like, no, I really think I'm going to be fucking fired for this. Like, and then the chief comes in like, hey, uh, Will Patton, how about we talk outside? And you're like, yeah, well, he's fucking fired. And then he's like, yeah. He took my gun and my badge. And then she just goes in. She does the, the bullshit like cop thing of like, if you're going to get him off the case, like you're, I'm gone too. And the guy is like, listen, I can't lose three good cups in one night. <laughs> one died from a, a random Chinese shooting. The other one got fired because of that shooting. I can't lose somebody just in sympathy for that. Holly Hunter, I really just don't know what movie we're in anymore. <laughs> I'm really just rolling with the punches here. <laughs> Do you really want to get in my face about this shit? It's kind of like that Bugs, Bu- that Duck Amuck cartoon where, Daffy <laughs> Duck, where Bugs Bunny keeps painting things from other things into the movie. It's it's very much like Duck Amuck. Like all of a sudden, Sigourney Weaver's got a flower petal on her head, a screwball. <laughs> Dermot Moroney just gets X's on his eyes after he dies. Listen, I uh, somehow heard Prey tell of an alternate dimension opening up at City Hall. That's from some other movie. <laughs> Guess we should go figure that out as well. Apparently my daughter is being romanced by some rock and roll star. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how that works. And also, of course, there's a mentally challenged man going throughout history making people's lives better. <laughs> it's all happening right now! The crew of the Starship Enterprise has landed in a Klingon warbird in a park. That's the plot of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, also taking place in San Francisco. I haven't heard from Copycat in a while. <laughs> hey, uh, whatever happened to that copycat? Did he fall in a space wormhole or something? Uh, and then I gotta get deposed by Jack McCoy. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> it's just... So stupid. And he's dead, and there's not a fucking funeral, and you never see a Chinese person again in this movie. Of course by the not. Way. Like, it's not like Copycat was behind everything. <laughs> like, I would love it at the end. He gives him 50 bucks, like, hey, thanks for killing that guy. He was really mess crap in my copycat style. Like, if you want to have a thing, okay, if it's like this busy ass night, you know, it's oh, so it's probably a full moon out. All the crazies are getting arrested, right? Yeah. Like one of those things. The squad room's really busy. All these people are getting arrested. And one guy gets a gun from somebody and says, this is for Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. And shoots him. And he's also a disciple of this guy. Like, 
It doesn't fit the movie, but it makes more fucking sense than a Chinese gang coming in and doing it. It's just so stupid. And I don't see how things like this happen in movies. And it's just like everyone's cool with it. Like the director, the screenwriter, everybody thought this was fine to leave in this movie. Well, that's the thing is you see – you hear about – you hear about like Blade Runner, right? Where people, where the, where the studio stood up and was like, this doesn't make any gosh sense. People aren't going to stand for it. Yeah. And they fuck up the whole movie, right? But some fucking fat cat watched Copycat, <laughs> possibly while wearing a Top Cat t-shirt, <laughs> and said, this is totally fine. I'm totally on board with this Dermot Rooney fucking subplot. I mean, the only thing I can think of, because it makes so little sense, is that someone... Like, had beef with Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney had beef with someone. He had to leave the movie for some reason. And somebody got pissed off and was like, oh, yeah? Ha, ha, ha. You want to leave this movie? Yeah, how do you want to leave it? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I get killed by a Chinese gang. <laughs> and they were like, all right, but we don't care. It's, we just wrote We just wrote that scene. We're making exactly. fucking copycat. So you think, like, matter. Dermot Mulroney is, like, all ornery, like Russell Crowe and just, like blew off the handle in the middle of something no i mean it's it could be anything like maybe he didn't get along with holly hunter i mean who knows but it's it's so out of nowhere to to be fair both dylan mcdermott and dermot Mulroney have the threat of the other one replacing the other one at a moment's notice it's like in the middle of a movie i wouldn't know it exactly (laughs) oh you think you're gonna fucking you're gonna pull rank on me i got i got mcdermott on speed dial pal i would love it if he like dermot Mulroney gets murdered in this movie and then like the next scene is like here's your new partner and then, like, in comes Dylan McDermott. Like, hey, how's it going? You guys catch copycat yet? Need any help with that? I would kind of love it if they just go to each other's sets for it and it's just a tag in thing. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> hey, Thanks, Dylan, you done with the campaign now? I can riff with Will Farrell. I can do that. <laughs> Dermot. So they get uh, a line onto who this guy is because Sigourney Weaver says, hey, by the way, another thing about this Dahmer situation is he'll be driving a car that looks like X. So they like narrow it down, you know, people who own this car. And then uh, this is after the, the, the assistant's been murdered. They bring his boyfriend in and they're just showing him pictures of, of licenses and they get to copycat's license. And he's like, that's definitely the guy that gave him the drink. Okay, great. There is a hilarious moment here where the chief is like, he is the guy. We got him. And this fucking police detective <laughs> extra this. is like, yeah, just this <laughs> fucking bald guy who's standing next to the chief. Like, you just won the homecoming game. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's amazing because the chief walks away like, whatever, extra. I don't know you, you know. <laughs> And then that extra and the extra in front of him slap high fives <laughs> and then the scene cuts. We've got him. That's your call a SWAT team. I'm not taking any chances with this little fuck. Why are you leaving this this guy? I mean, this guy must have been somebody and it's just the, his greatest fucking joke he tells at parties. That time I got to say, yeah, in copycat because it's so unnecessary that this even happens. Like we know this dude identified him. I don't even need the chief to be like, hey, we got him like that doesn't matter. Just go get him. Let these fucking idiots. Yeah. High five. And what do we see? You know, Holly Hunter go, yeah, you know, like, give me something. I did it. <laughs> also not mattering, Will Patton, just to, as we close out oh, on him. Oh, yeah. 
when when he's closing, like he does a whole thing. Like well, we gotta I, watch him pack his fucking bags because he's the ninth built character. It's it all like an I always loved you thing, and Holly Hunter is now completely on board for reasons I can't understand. Like he's telling her to be careful. He's packing up his desk, right? You know, there's kind of one lamp lit left in the precinct. There's a 90 year old Italian man playing a violin in the corner, right? And he goes, uh, you know, he's like, be careful. You know, the copycat's really getting the best of everyone in this police department, by the way, except for that Chinese guy. He had his head on straight. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I will. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, he goes, uh, you know, because uh, I've I've always loved you, you know. I still love you. And she's like, uh, yeah, I know. And she's like putting on this oversized like fucking David Burns suit coat. <laughs> and she just like gets out of there. And I'm like, okay. Oh, shock. Now Will Patton's just out of this movie also. Uh, but I did want to bring up the, the firing scene. Because there is something there that I think is pretty outrageous. Um, so he doesn't get fired. That's the outrageous part. He gets paid leave yeah. after you left the door open. You left the door open for Dermot Mulroney to get blown away. But also even on that tip is, you know, she's like, she's standing up for him. She's trying to, you know, she's trying to give up her job for him. Yeah. And she hated his guts before he killed her partner. But because he <laughs> killed her partner, she's like, you know, ready to lay down on the train tracks for him. It makes no sense. She's like, nah, I feel bad for you. <laughs> it's the best situation. You he- you are part of the murder of a fellow officer. And I understand it was an accident. But really, you got paid. Li- you're not fired. You get- you're getting paid for the time you're away. Yeah. It's the best scenario. And Holly Hunter acts like he got stabbed in the back. <laughs> So, while this is happening, Copycat breaks into the apartment uh, by posing as a police officer and attacks Sigourney Weaver and kidnaps her, right? Holly Hunter walks into this apartment being like, you know, hey, where are you? Don't hide. It's almost over. And then... Hey, you you left the stepladder out. I couldn't open the door. (laughs) (laughs) And... And so she walks in, and there's a there's a camcorder on because it's 1995. It's definitely a camcorder, sure. and it's pointing at her. And there's a, a little sticky note that says, you know, press play, play me, whatever. And it's this dude, and he's filmed himself like tying her up, like mm. this kind of a thing. Hilariously, it cuts. It's doing a little like shot reverse shot of Holly Hunter watching this this TV, and it cuts to her when he reveals like, you know, I've got her hidden, and she just mouths. Fuck. <laughs> Just to nobody. It's so awesome. So here we are. You know, she's she's on camera in the red dress, and he's like, "All right, if you're a good detective, which she's not, copycat, putting an awful lot of faith in this woman, uh, you know, you know, she, she's wearing her beautiful red dress. So if you remember this beautiful red dress." You'll know where I am. And you're like, oh, okay, the site of that lecture where Harry Connick Jr. hung her. Great. And it's just the it's the end of the movie, right? She's getting hung. It's like the beginning of the movie. And, you know, she does the thing which all 90s, you know, you know you're making fun of his plan. So now he has to lose. He loses his control. Obviously. He loses his cool a little bit. And he's doing a weird thing where he's trying to, like, exactly reenact what Harry Connick Jr. did kind yeah. of a thing. Uh, you know, so he's like... But do it right. Yeah, exactly. So he's like killed the police officer who's, you know, on the bathroom floor just like that guy was. She's hanging from the thing just like, you know, everything's going, you know, the way it's supposed to go or whatever. And Holly Hunter is on her way to solve this whole thing to stall 
uh, Sigourney Weaver gives a off fuck it to the world and just <laughs> like she's kind of like hanging by like her foot. She's got like a her big toe is on the toilet seat. It's the only thing that's keeping her from hanging. And she just like lets go. So she starts hanging herself. And this guy's like, no, that's not supposed to be like that. And, you know, like starts trying to lift her back up and everything. And it's just it's a big old fucking cat and mouse struggle. It'd be great if, you know, like she's doing that and he's trying to reenact the whole thing. And all of a sudden, all these Chinese gangsters show up. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what are you guys doing here? And it, the two movies fight each other. That would be fantastic. And then, like, the ghost of Dermot Mulroney's there for some reason. He's ghost fighting people. That'd be fan- I'd love it. Well, I- oh, and Copycat does, uh, and Ethan Hunt takes off his mask. It's the little Chinese guy who killed <laughs> Dermot Mulroney. Well, because that's the other thing in this movie, right? Like, you need if it's a movie like this, it's dull as dirt, formulaic movie. You need the killer to be hidden the entire time, so that at the end of the movie, it's fucking Will Patton and nobody cares. Yeah, like, right. Like that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that would make that character make any sense. <laughs> so by the way, so Holly Hunter is put on a bulletproof vest. It's the, like one of the last things she does with Will Patton. She puts on a, a kid sized bulletproof vest. <laughs> And she goes down there. She breaks into this bathroom, breaks up this whole party and whatever, and copycat shoots her. Now, this is interesting. The first shot hits her in the shoulder, and it's a clean breakthrough to the other side and smashes into the mirror and shatters all this glass all over the place, right? Second shot clearly hits Holly Hunter in the chest. You see, like, the white vest explode, and then more of this mirror breaks (laughs) off as if that bullet went through. How, as the director of a major motion picture, are you letting this stuff slide by? And I, and this is how you can tell it's a bad glaring error. I'm not a guy who catches errors like that too often. Cause I just kind of, I watch movies and then like figure it out afterwards. Like, but some people do sit there and just kind of like nitpick things as it goes along. I always miss that. So if I'm to catch it, it's so glaringly obvious. It's a really huge problem. And this glass is just going everywhere. Sigourney Weaver winds up stabbing him with some because who cares? And all of a sudden, you know, in the studio that fucked up Brazil did not was not working <laughs> on this one either. Like they just couldn't. They were had, you go with your vision, pal. Whatever you want to do. So she gets over her agoraphobia to run up to the roof. Copycat, of course, follows her up. And just when you think he might fucking stab her, out comes Holly Hunter with a couple of shots. And now this time, get that thing out of your back pocket. It's in the shoulder first, okay? He drops the gun, or the knife. It's a knife. Drops the knife, and she's like, I did it. (laughs) And then, like, he turns around, and he's like, yeah, but now I have a gun. And she just, like, blasts him to shit. Well, it's like like four of them. Like, first, it's the shot, and he drops the knife then he takes the gun it's three more and then there's the headshot there's just a sick headshot out of nowhere and you cut to dermot mulroney's grave and he's like finally (laughs) (laughs) fucking learned your lesson wait i'm buried alive (laughs) that shouldn't be oh no but whatever happened to those chinese guys I have a real booming voice for this to be under, what, <laughs> six feet of dirt? Yeah, it's fine. It's a fucking comedy show. I get it. Sure hope Will Patton didn't lose his job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, he's fine. How are you in here? <laughs> Just go with it. 
So, I mean, that's it. Copycat's dead. And then this is, oh, oh, the little twist at the end of this movie really steams oh, your claims, huh? Because what this needs to be, this is setting up. A, don't even, <laughs> oh, don't, it's setting oh. up that sequel. Don't worry oh. about it. Like, what it needs to be is six months later, mm. Sigourney Weaver is teaching. She's out in a park somewhere. Exactly. Like, yeah, she's teaching a class. Maybe the lecture's outside yeah. in, a, in a quad or something. Whatever. Like, yeah. seeing, you know, that, you know, she's gotten over the copycat, this, that, and the other thing. No, 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 no. The last thing we see in this movie of her is her slowly just, like, kind of walking over to Holly Hunter, like, thanks, I guess. And that's the end of that. And Holly Hunter's on six apple carts to be able to look at her in the eyes. <laughs> just so they can hug each other. It's not weird. <laughs> or she goes to Dermot Mulroney's grave, and it's like, uh, I mean, it's, who cares about the movie? So, zombie hand. Oh, oh yeah, yeah totally. Help me! <laughs> Got a shovel? <laughs> so... No, we cut to, you start hearing it first, and you're like, what is Harry Connick Jr. up to now? And it's, we, we dissolve into his jail cell, and he's writing a letter to a new person, a new disciple, and he's talking about how copycat got copy cocky, and, you know, he, he overstepped his bounds, messed up. If you play it straight and narrow, you can be my disciple, you can get this woman, and it's like, Sigourney Weaver's not out of danger! Dear Conrad. Thank you for your letter. Well, praise the Lord. I know you must be so happy that he chose to spare Dr. Hudson. The big guy moves in mysterious ways, don't he? Now, it just so happens I'm awaiting the arrival of a pair of genuine Helen Hudson undies. You know what this movie needed or what this fucking prison system needs? A, a tight ass like Anthony Held. Because you know what? Anthony Held would be like, oh, hey. You know, Hannibal Lecter's uh, communicating with people trying to kill other people. Let's take away his letter-writing privileges. Also, by the way, he's still alive. He broke out of prison, <laughs> killed presumably three people. Instructed this guy that we all know he definitely was instructing. Uh, yep. All this stuff, he's still just in jail. Now, I don't know if this is... Like a new thing. I mean, yeah, he's just in jail and it's ridiculous. Like he should be in solitary confinement on death row or something. Like John Voight and Runaway Train, just fucking gone from the earth. <laughs> but and I don't know if it's like a newer policy with prisons or whatever. But like on on Oz and like Orange is the New Black, they definitely were getting their mail read. Yeah, yeah, of course. You, yeah. So you how to. is it that Harry Connick Jr. is fucking sending this mail to this disciple? You can take you take those privileges away once you realize he's openly influencing people to commit crimes. Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck! He did this once already. You can't write letters anymore. Beyond that, when the Skype conversation happens, he has a bargain with her for evidence. He wants a pair of her, as he calls it. Send me some of your squirrel covers. Oh, squirrel covers. Squirrel covers. That's disgusting. He's kind of gr effectively gross in this movie because he's yeah, got really he bad job done. dyed red hair, which I assume is supposed to be his real color in this movie, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's I don't like know. Seth Green red. Like, get the fuck out of here. He stole it from Robert Downey Jr. Whatever that fucking Dreams movie was with oh, Annette Bening in in Dreams. Yeah, he's got like uh, like the acne and like just grossness all over his face. Like, he looks like up. he yeah. looks like real human garbage. He like, looks, he, he he looks the park. Yeah, the the park. The part. <laughs> He's never going to look at a park again. He's no. in prison for life. Yeah. I look the park. I'm six feet under it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, dead Dermot Mulrooney. You're my favorite new character. <laughs> He's kind of like Beetlejuice, you know? He's just under there trying to ask... Say Dermot Mulrooney three times. The sun shining up there? <laughs> That's the sequel you want, right? <laughs> Dermot Mulroney, Beetlejuice, helping Holly Hunter shittily solve a crime. And he's like, he's like mm. Dr. Lecter. She just has to come to him every once in a while for clues. Hey, Holly, I got one piece of advice for you. Don't give Chinese guys donuts. Oh, I don't come. I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> just kidding around. So, how am I doing on flowers up there? <laughs> My mother and father been around lately? Yeah, I'm not going to complain because I'm here, but uh, my initial final wishes were to be cremated. <laughs> Whatever happened with that? I didn't even get that cop Irish funeral like I saw on the wire. Got it off the Golden Gate Bridge. Wrote it myself that well. <laughs> oh, man. And that's copycat. Would anybody recommend this movie? I weirdly have an affinity for this movie it's totally watchable it's not a good movie it's got a plot holes that you could just fucking like dinosaur tracks these plot holes plot holes that you could bury dermot mulroney in i i don't i i say no i wouldn't recommend this movie but that doesn't mean i'm not gonna watch this movie again in my own lifetime Uh uh-huh chris cabin uh i mean I mean, we've been making fun of her for her height and her accent and other things she can't control but holly hunter really holds this thing together as well as it can be like true. her her and sigourney weaver kind of bring it here yeah i think they're both doing good enough jobs so for that i very very mildly recommend it it's it's a very similar to to me at least like twister it's a sunday hangover movie yeah it's yes, just it most definitely is there's nothing really going on but hey people are doing stuff i guess if you got laundry going you yep. know and you gotta like go out and put the, the the clothes in the dryer, maybe go get some quarters and whatnot, uh, you know, then sure. It, just leave it on. Don't pause it when you go to the laundry. No, no. You know, no. just keep it going. Because it is, it's like a clean two hours that you don't feel the two hours. But my biggest problem with it, I, I mean, aside from everything we just kind of made fun of here, is the fact that, like, this needs to be Sigourney Weaver's movie, and you can't make her share the screen with Holly Hunter in the way that this does. Like, Holly Hunter needs to be a tertiary character. Yep. Sigourney Weaver... Or an antagonist. Yeah. Like, Sigourney Weaver needs to be the main character. Sigourney Weaver needs to be the one that gets copycat in the end because that's how she gets over her agoraphobia because that's how you tell a fucking story. That's what needed to happen, and it doesn't happen. And, you know, points for fucking random Chinese gang because that's just the <laughs> dumbest yeah. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And it's fine. It's what it's just it's so stupid. But like like you said, Steve, I do find this movie eerily watchable. And it's movies like this where I'm like, yeah, I could watch that again. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> no, yeah. do anything else. Finish Moby Dick. Like <laughs> fucking do something, anything else than watch Copycat again. But yeah, I'll probably watch Copycat There's again. There's all those Fossbender movies I've never seen. <laughs> Any <laughs> one of them. Any single one of them instead of spending another two hours. Yeah, you know, his uh, BDR trilogy is pretty awesome. You should check that yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> That's Copycat from 1995, directed by John A. Meal. If you want to get a hold of us, check out our website, whmpodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at whmpodcast.com. 
right into our mailbag, weallhatemovies at gmail.com. You know, we've been getting a lot of good letters in. One of these days we'll get a new mailbag up. Uh, so write in. Maybe we'll read your letter on the air and uh, share with the world what you had to say about our show. Uh, blame it on Outer Space, our sister show hosted by Eric Siska. Blame it on Outer Space.com at Blame Space Pod on Twitter. They're also on iTunes and Stitcher, as we are with both shows. Uh, you know, rate and review if you get a chance. We would appreciate it. Uh, you know, like we've been saying uh, the past couple weeks, tell someone new about the show. If you uh, have a friend who you think might enjoy it, uh, hey, 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 Barry, you might like We Hate Movies. No, I wouldn't. Well, give it a shot, Barry, you ignorant prick, and we'll see what happens. I, I don't like it because I'm racist. <laughs> That Barry. That Barry. He is a character. And you know what I kind of decided, by the way? You know, what we've been doing this whole month that's been successful. It's generated a lot of great conversations on social media with everybody. Um, you know, we should give hints, I think, from here on out as to what next week's episode is going to be. All right. We, we have these things planned out, so why not? Uh, so, Chris Cabin, hint giver of the week. What are What's the hint for next week's episode? Uh, I'm probably going to say her name wrong. Be prepared for that. Uh, Emmanuel Bert. Yeah, you did it. There we it's go. A, it's a film starring Emmanuel Bert in some capacity. She is the star of the film. Yes, we'll put we'll put we'll put that as that. That's what it is. Emmanuel Bert is the star of next week's film. Uh, and by the way, again, kudos for guessing copycat from fucking Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, that, that My goodness, that was a big one. My goodness, that's fantastic. I'm surprised you didn't say Wonderland. That stars Dermot McDowell, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> Dylan McDermott. See, That's even all right. their, See, even their names are stationing now. <laughs> They're just melding together. Dermot McDullen. <laughs> How about a Holly Hunter and Helen Hunt, huh? We oh, don't yeah. mix those two up. Yeah, one's a foot tall and the other one. <laughs> uh, it's We Ain't Movies for this week. Until next time, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Seda. Chris Cabin. Take it easy. Please, you can't have the chocolate, that's my partner. Move your ass!